Welcome to Divine Downloads. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and this is the show where we help you bring the vision for your life into your reality. And today's episode is all about uncovering your most aligned career path and TED Talk with my dear friend, Ashley Stahl, who is a total rock star. She is a counterterrorism professional turned career and public speaking coach. She is the podcast host of the U-Turn podcast that's one of the top 100 mental health shows in the U.S., and she's an internationally best-selling author for her book, U-Turn, which is all about how to discover your truest selves, attune to your intuition, and unlock greater clarity and fulfillment in your career. With over 8 million views, her TED Talk is ranked amongst the top 100 TED Talks on the internet, and now she is paying it forward and helping storytellers all over the world book a spot on the TEDx stage by helping coach them and helping them write their speech. You are just going to love this interview. So grab a tea, buckle up, and let's dive in. Quickly, before we dive into this episode, I want to remind you that we have coming up on October 20th our free virtual masterclass. It's all about the practical magic of financial abundance and career opportunities. It is a perfect time to amplify your career manifestations and your financial abundance right before we head into the new year. So check out the link below and sign up to join us live or catch the replay. So I am so excited to have Ashley with us. She not only is, you know, a dear friend and just like this ball of enthusiasm and light and and joy in my life, but she as you've heard in the intro, is just incredibly accomplished, has so much wisdom, you know, did her own U-turn, and now is spreading that and paying that forward through her book, through her podcast, and through her viral TED Talk, (laughs) which we're going to get through all of it because I know that so many of you that are listening are in that space right now where either you're asking yourself, what's the pivot? what's what's going on right now is not fulfilling me and I know that there's got to be something more or maybe you've got your thing and you're building that momentum and you're curious about how would you get a TED talk how would you be able to really put your message into a speech that would have an impact on millions of people and uh welcome Ashley (laughs) thanks for being here with me Oh my God, of course. So let's start from the beginning. So before you were, I love, one of the things I love so much in humans um, that I interview is how they live their own journey. And then often the journey that they lived impacts the journey that they want to teach about. Right. And so you had your own U-turn before you became a speaker on you, a speaker on U turns, right? So you want to take us back to that when you were working in counterterrorism, yeah. and what took you from what seems like a completely different field than where you are right now? How did that look? How did that kind of process begin when you first started thinking, hmm, maybe this isn't for me? And then yeah. what was it like to really take those steps to do something about it? You know, I. I grew up in a house where the news was always on. And from a pretty young age, I knew what was going on in the world. And my dad was super liberal. And then other family members in my extended family were on the other side of the political fence. And they would kind of get in these like heated fights on Sundays to the point where we would always have to say no politics at dinner, like, please no. 
And what I learned was to have an opinion, whether I believed it or not, whether it was educated or not. And when I got to college, I just remember thinking like, how am I supposed to choose a career if I don't even know what I like much beyond food and music, you know, like I've never worked in the workforce. So how do I know what I want to do if I haven't tried any of it? Um, and I remember going to career services and she said all the things like do what you love and follow the bliss or, you know, whatever the three worded tirades are. And I remember thinking, well, I don't really know what I love. I love cupcakes, but I'm not going to be a baker. I love massages, but I don't really want to be a masseuse. And I saw a lot of people doing that. I love art. So I'm going to be an artist. I love fashion. So I'm going to be a designer. And I couldn't help but wonder, does what the job actually looks like have anything to do with the interest in that field? And eventually I would learn that being a consumer of something does not mean you're meant to be a producer of that thing, right? Like I happily consume film, but I would be a horrible director. You know, I don't manage people like that's not my thing. So I just think there's this disconnect. Um, I ended up majoring in government history and French, not because I'm an overachiever, but because I was indecisive. And I was like, well, I'm into all this stuff, but I don't know what to do with all of it. And eventually I had this moment when I was living in France where I saw this woman, um, I was in Western France and she got hit across the face by her husband. And I remember her, she had a baby and it was crying and I wanted to save her. I wanted to help her. But instead, I actually made a career decision about her. I looked at her and thought, I want to be a protector. I want to be a helper. And I'm going to help people in my career. And the highest frequency of help that I could think of was working in national security because we were coming out of the era of 9-11 happening. And I knew people who were affected by that. And so I thought, I'm going to use my people skills and my political interests to help the government. And from there on out, I did everything. I, you know, learned Arabic, started taking Dari classes, polished my French to be bilingual, um, went to the best university I could for graduate school, King's College in London, top 25 war program in the world, got my graduate degree in war studies. And it's interesting looking back, it's like we have these moments that influence us and we don't really realize how much we're making a decision because of these moments. And like, it is this moment really one that should be influencing our decisions. Um, and if people look back at their career right now, it's like, what was that moment for you that made you choose that path? And do you feel like that's valid and the right thing for you? Oh, oh my gosh. And I think that's so true because it's, it's, I think you're right. We all have those moments that shape us and that have us make those big decisions or that push us in a certain direction. And then we can allow that moment to continue to justify us staying in that direction. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I did everything. I got there and I had these little whispers. And in my book, U-Turn, I call them turn signals where, and I mean, the amount of car jokes I needed to like not make and car metaphors, like I was going to get out of hand in that U-Turn, <laughs> U-Turn. But um, I just remember thinking like when I went to grad school, we would sit in five hour lectures in London and we would get out and go to student hall. 
And so many people would want to talk more about politics, talk more about what we learned. And I remember thinking, class is out. Let's talk about something else. Like I'm a multifaceted Gemini being. I have so many things I want to talk about, but they couldn't get enough of the topic. And that was what got me thinking like, okay, they're really, truly passionate about this. And this is just an interest of mine that I gave an undue promotion to. Like, oh, oh, so many people <laughs> take their interests and they're just like, let's go all the way with this. So that was a turn signal that I didn't pay attention to. Um, when I finally got to the Pentagon and landed my job offer in national security, I remember uh, this woman, she needed to go pee um, on the, the shooting range and she handed me her gun. It was the first time I'd ever held a gun. And I just felt like this visceral, like, oh, this thing can kill people. I don't, I don't really want to do that. So while I was thinking about being in national security, I thought about number one, I'm a great writer. I was thinking about writing intelligence reports. Um, I, I thought about like the, the service of it, the impact of it. I didn't think about the practice of it. And in order to really climb high in intelligence, you need to um, you know, be very private, which I value connection. It's one of my highest core values. And you need to keep to yourself about what you're doing every day, which is not something that is natural for me. Like I love to connect and you know, as we're friends, like you hear me talk about my life all the time. So it's like, there was so much about that career that was never going to work for me. And I just didn't know me well enough to make that decision. But on the side, it was the recession. And I started helping friends land job offers because I was so good at getting job offers and um, all of them hated job hunting, but I loved it. I loved creating opportunities. I ended up getting three years worth of job offers from my one job hunt to get into DC. Oh my God. Like three years later, I still got them. So I ended up, um, people would say, you should be a career coach. And I was like, that sounds weird. Like, what does that even mean? It was like 2011, you know? And then I did it and I started my online courses and my podcast and my book U-Turn and, you know, the show's U-Turn podcast, Y-O-U. And, and now, as you know, I'm writing TED Talks for people and with people and booking them on stage for their TEDx event. So I'm doing both writing and booking them. Um, and there's a whole story on how I got there, but getting to the Pentagon and realizing that on the periphery of following that thing I was pulled to, I found something else that was so much more true for me. Um, makes me believe more than ever that when you follow what feels right, even if it ends up not being right, on the side, ancillary, you find something that is right for you because you're still in the frequency of, of doing something that feels like what you're pulled towards, even if it's not the thing. Yeah. And what was that, like going back to that time when let's say you're you're at the Pentagon and you're really feeling those like bigger turn signals kind of come up and you're, you're doing the kind of you fall into career coaching on the side and doing this. How, how was that moment? Were there a lot of fears of being like, I think one of the things that stops a lot of people from pivoting is when we perceive that we've invested a lot yeah. in the path that we're in. And here you were, you literally went to like the best program that you could for this, right? You dedicated not just like your bachelor's degree, but your your graduate, your master's after that, right? You've really invested a lot of your time and energy into learning all these languages and to doing it. And in that moment, was there a feeling of like, man, I've come this far. Am I willing to risk that for this career coaching idea that I have? 
Yeah, I think that the th- the problem with a lot of people when they think about pursuing something different or making a pivot is they are in all or nothing black or white thinking. And I think it's really about looking at yourself and saying, I have this interest and I want to invest in my future self. You know, speaking of writing and booking people for TEDx, it's like, what I love about it is it's an investment in their future self. That's something that they can do on the side of their career and pivot into some sort of subject matter expertise they want to be positioned as. Um, I think that all of us, we have creative ideas, we have creative needs. So number one is the question of should you stay or should you go? Take a look at what you're doing, whether it's your business or your job, and ask yourself, is there a way to know what is your core skill set? You know, my book, I say that there's 10 and obviously we can't obscure the human experience into 10 skills, but I do think a lot of people fit into these 10 and everyone tends to have a core skill set. Number one, maybe you resonate with a few of my 10 that I write about my book, but we tend to have one we lead with, we harness and we sharpen in our career. So I think the question to ask yourself is what is your core skill set and are you growing it and sharpening it and harnessing it in what you're doing now? If you're in a job, You should probably stay unless it's violating a core value. Let's say you value integrity and you're doing something that really is compromising that. Let's say you value your health and your health is going out the window because of your job. So I would say getting to know what are those top five core values? What are those non-negotiable principles by which you live your life so that you can really honor that in your next career steps? Um. So that's, that's, can you give us, can you give us an example of like for you, let's say, what would you, in that moment in time, what would you have considered your core skill set? And did you feel like you were in a conflict of core values with your current job? Were you able to do kind of both simultaneously for a little bit before you could fully transition? There is a point, there's that tipping point where you're really like working hard on both sides, right? Like, Um, so I think first things first, some people listening, if you want to start a business, but you don't know what it is, start to build an audience, start to talk about things you're into because your audience will trust you and pivot with you when you pivot. So that's the first thing is like, how can you start to just add value and ask yourself, where do you provide the most value and how can you share that? Um, I think the second thing is, you know, if you know what you want to do, obviously I would still say build an audience, build a brand that can carry you no matter what you're doing, but Um, and ask yourself, like the internet is like a bunch of islands, right? Like TEDx and what I'm doing for people with writing and booking, that's one island. I have 700 blog posts on Forbes. That's an island. Blog posting is an island. Podcasting is an island. We're sitting on that one right now. And it can look two ways. It can look like having your own show or being on a lot of people's shows. It's a, it's a personal brand island. So ask yourself, what island is a match for your skill set, and how can you go invest more into getting known and and being valuable on that island for an audience? I think the second thing is whatever product or service you're offering. How can you start to build that out slowly but surely? Um, you know, if you're new to business, you're going to want testimonials, you're going to want clear assets, whether it's your website, whether it's your photos, whether it's your brand, um, your messaging. Um, and those are things that can kind of hide in the corner of the internet until you want to have your little coming out party for your business. Um, so I would say like really work in a sustainable pace in creating what you need to create. Um, also start to get out there. And again, it doesn't have to be a rush. I think that so often we're in so much scarcity and pressure with ourselves and it really holds us back from being who we want to be in our careers because if you're moving too fast you're not noticing things 
And when you're not noticing things, you have to undo things that end up getting really messy. So remember, backing up is not backing down in your career. Sometimes you need to just slow down. Um, all the things I was saying about skill set, look at your business. If you're a business owner and you're not a corporate person, what is the number one skill set you're using in your business right now? You know, I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on loving what you do. And I think that the word love is really intense. I think you should strongly like what you do. And to me, that means being in your zone of genius at least 70 to 80% of the time. Maybe the rest of the time you're in your zone of growth um, or you're dealing with stuff you don't like. That's kind of the cost of admission to whatever you're doing, right? Like we both deal with tech glitches and email funnels and things we don't want to deal with because we love the other things about our business. So I think it's more important than ever to be super honest with yourself about that. Okay. I have so many things. Okay. So I want to come back to getting greater clarity, but while you're talking about this, one of the things that I've heard a lot in like my programs with my clients, people that come out to me is they want to build a business and they hate social media. Mm -hmm. Right. So do you think I'm going to, be neutral about what my commentary on this usually is. Dying to know what your comments are, but, yeah. <laughs> but I am curious to see. Do you think that that is something that is like a core skill set area of um, genius kind of thing where they should kind of then say, okay, well, if social media is not my thing, then is it the blog posting? Is it? you know, whatever, is it like another avenue and I should just not try that? Or is it something that you would say, okay, well, if you want to do this, then maybe we need to like push past our comfort zones to get to a few of these islands. Yeah. Yeah. I would say number one, look at your skill set and ask yourself what islands are a match. I think the second piece after that is where do your customers hang out? And if you can't find a match for what your zone of genius is and where your customers hang out, you're just not seeing enough islands. It's a very big world with many places. Are you a words person? Are you really good at writing and communicating? Are you an introvert? Then maybe your word skill set is more written. Are you an extrovert? Maybe it's more spoken. It's more you being on YouTube or TikTok. Um, so I think it's really about A, tuning into that, B, looking at your ideal customer and how they want to experience you. And see, realizing the world is a really big place. You don't have to do things that feel like you're pushing a river. Like there are ways to be you and be paid to be you. Uh, another thing is never underestimate the power of affiliate and partnership marketing. Um, you know, as someone who is helping people write TED Talks and book them on stage, I have had, um, you know, countless referral partners come in and spare me from having to create a bunch of social media around what I'm doing. They're doing their social media and they're just letting their audience know, and they're getting enough of a referral fee from me that justifies their time and effort. So I think if you're listening, it's really about asking yourself, you know, what do you want to do and how do you want to do it? I mean, given that research indicates that 50% of people leave their job because they don't like their boss, what I can conclude from that is that how your job looks, how your work looks matters just as much as what your work is. Um, so if how you're getting your leads is killing your life force energy, then that's just not the way you want to be getting leads. And you have to have the abundant mindset of realizing there are many islands and many other people who are working those islands that maybe you don't want to be working. And you could go to those people. I love that. And I think that's so true. I think it's, we 
I think our, like me and you, our generation, Mm -hmm. um, we kind of like came up, you know, with Instagram and like, as all this stuff was kind of coming and, and getting going. Right. And this, this current generation is kind of looking at maybe like people like us, but I actually think you're a great, I was thinking about this this morning about how you're a great example um, of the contrary to it, because I know that you're having, you know, massive success with helping people with TED Talks, booking people on TED Talks. And I don't see you talking about it on social media that much at all. Right. And so, but I think there's been, um, unfortunately, like, yes, like, um, a, a narrowed kind of mindset that because that's what people that's what's most in people's faces right that they feel like that's the only way but I love how you talk about all these different islands and I do think one of the things that I talk about a lot in divinely design your life is that you know we have this my words for it is like we have this like core desire essence or this like soul purpose essence right of what we want to do but then it's also looking at What's like the lifestyle we want to lead? Like, how do we want that to look? What does that day-to-day flow look like? And you need both of them to sync up because it doesn't matter if you're, you could be on purpose, so to speak. But if it's in, um, if it turns out to be like a lifestyle or like you said, a way of getting leads that like sucks your soul, then it's not going to work out anyway because you're going to be so miserable. Well, and the thing to remember is like who you are always wins, you know, like it's really hard to sidestep who you are. It's going to shine through whether you want it to or not. And so I think the hack is really getting honest about who you are early um, so that you're not putting that kind of pressure on yourself to force something that is not true. Eventually, you're not going to want to do that thing because it's not syncing up with you. Um, so I just remember the importance of that. I love that. And that kind of brings us back to the other question I wanted to ask is around that clarity. Yeah. Because another thing that I see a lot is people will, again, based on what they see on social media or what they see out there, they will think like, okay, well, um, if I want to be a coach, then I should be a money coach or I should be, you know what I mean? They kind of just, they let like other outside influences affect what they feel like they should do. Like, Oh, if I want to, if I know I want to be in the online space per se, and this person that I follow coaches on X, Y, and Z, like, and they'll kind of model after someone instead of taking that time to ask themselves those questions. Like, okay, well, maybe you do want a coach, but what, like, what would you want a coach on? Right. How do you, how do you help people or do you advise people to get that clarity on what that subject matter is that they want to, you know, speak on or be an expert on or whatnot? Yeah. I think the first thing that's more important than ever is to get into your skill set. A lot of people who feel stuck, they, they start to grab for answers, but life doesn't really work that way. We don't live in a world where it's answer, 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 answer. We live in a world that is question, answer, question, answer. And so I think that number one is really being the question of like, who am I? And I think that that really looks like actually connecting to yourself instead of trying to figure out what career path you should be doing. Um, So what does connecting to yourself look like? It looks like saying, okay, I, you know, love hip hop dance, or I love 
my friends and they're these two friends of mine that make me feel the most me get in the business of reconnecting to yourself because that's where you're going to really start to get those answers on like what you really want and who you're really supposed to be. Um, so that's the first step is just reconnect. Um, I would say the second step, I mean, you know, if you don't feel like reading my book, U-Turn, um, which it's called U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I read put that. a link below. Yeah, thank you. I I feel like there's the 10 core skill sets in there include innovation, which is for the entrepreneur or the intrapreneur, depends on your relationship to money and freedom. There's service for the helpers and the humanitarians. There's words for the communicators. There's um, like coordination for the detail-oriented operations and project manager people. There's numbers, which is pretty straightforward. Technology, pretty straightforward. So it's really first getting in touch with what are you great at? And a lot of people don't know, you know, and when I think about marriage research, I read this book called The Science of Happily Ever After. And the book said um, that people actually don't really know if they're going to get divorced as well as their friends know from just watching them. So (laughs) it's funny because... Oh I see God. that. Like, why? Why is that? It's why can our friends know our our romantic future better than us? Well, because they're neutral parties observing us, and uh, they have no skin in the game as to whether it works out or not. All they're doing is observing, and so I think it's really important to kind of take a look at that and say, well, if that's you know what you're looking at, then, um can you ask people in your career, where have you seen me at my best? You know, mm-hmm. like, where have you seen me professionally at my best? And ask people who have a really good sense of you. That's really, really important. Because um, if you ask people where they've seen you at your best, but they don't really know you or get you, that's not going to be that helpful. Um, so that's one thing to be mindful of. Um, I'm trying to think of some other elements, but I'll stop there in case you have any questions. I love that. I think that's also really helpful. I also have found asking people in my life um, for their feedback on things like that has also just been clarifying for me. Like I have a lot of girlfriends who I really respect and um, in their field and I respect their advice. But sometimes when I'll ask for advice, um, if they, if, if something's coming back at me that feels like a no in my body, I can like honor that like it's good educated advice, but also that brings me clarity, right? Right. Because sometimes the thing that is logical or makes sense to someone else is just like a no for your soul for whatever reason. Right. And so, I mean, I even just had this last night, we were briefly talking about it. One of the things I do is I've helped some of my clients write book proposals and, you know, match them with they end up getting agents and publishing books and all this stuff and you know it's something that I don't mind doing for my clients that are working with me for our spiritual mentoring and stuff if that's part of like their journey but to for me to just do that solely as a business would not be like a yes for me even though I'm good at it right and so I think you know it's that's an important like distinction and it's a clarity that we can get either way from people around us, right? Mm -hmm. Even if someone says like, hey, you're great at doing this. Yeah, but I'm a no for that, right? Right. Like, okay, I can be good at that, but also that's like not what I want. Like, I don't doubt that you were great at your counterterrorism career, right? Right. But it could also just be a no for for other reasons. 
Mm-hmm. Now, with the, I, I, you brought up something earlier about the turn signals. Yeah. And I loved that you noticed, and I think this is an interesting thing. Um, I love that you noticed that when you were leaving class, everyone else still kind of wanted to be in that world. Yeah. And you were ready to just be like, okay, can we, we just did that all day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so how important, how important do you think it is for someone to have that kind of relationship with the, the subject matter or the, you know, the field that they're in to have that yeah. relationship where they like constantly want to read about it or listen to podcasts or talk about it? Yeah. So such a good question. I would say, um, number one is like being honest with yourself, like starting to kind of become your own stalker. You know, there's so many people who aren't noticing what they're noticing about themselves. <laughs> this, is a, this is a program, Ashley, become your own stalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really creating like the creepy program titles for people to get into. Um, But yeah, I really believe in watching yourself and we are in so much autopilot. We don't even notice what we're noticing. So I think like notice when you're feeling pulled into a conversation with somebody. Notice when you're feeling feeling pulled away from a conversation with somebody. Like, what is it about what they're saying that's pulling you in? What is it about what they're saying that's pushing you out? I think knowing these things and paying attention to these things about yourself is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second piece of the puzzle is collecting the feedback and that takes time. And one of the biggest mistakes you can make is getting feedback from people that don't really get you or know you. Um, you know, if or else you're just getting feedback from people who are watching you not be you and spitting it back at you of, you know, some version of you that you're not. Yeah. Um, So I think it's really, really important to get a good sense of that. Um, Another thing is to be experimental, like start to come up with a list. What are, like I said, like people, places and things that make you feel connected? What What are things you do that make you feel so alive and inspired? Like start to get deeply curious about yourself. And, um, and start to experiment with things that you may enjoy doing. Um, you know, who we are today isn't ideally who we're going to be in 10 years. I wouldn't want that for you. We change. And sometimes we're holding on to old narratives of who we are when we're just not that person anymore. Uh, and I think that's really important to know. And what would you say to someone that's listening that's on the precipice of the U-turn right now and feeling a lot of fear around, you know, the potential instability, whether Mm -hmm. it's like financial or just going from something that they have always done to Mm -hmm. really like venturing into new ground. Um, Or maybe it is being at that point where they've kind of been doing the other thing on the side for a bit, but they feel like, and maybe there's there's a wisdom you have around this, but they feel like they're at that moment where to take it to the next level, they really have to go fully Mm -hmm. into that other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say like slow and steady wins the race. Like if you want to speed up, like just slow your roll a little bit. I know a lot of people, the advice they need is to get moving because they're in too much fear and they're not moving. So you know what your medicine is. The person who talks too much and doesn't do enough, your medicine is doing. 
the person who does a lot but doesn't process enough, your medicine is sitting with it. So I think it really comes back down to this idea of knowing thyself and um, being deeply honest with yourself about um, what you're truly looking for. If you're looking for lasting fulfillment, that is something that is going to require you to really slow down. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that because I do agree. There's a, there's a lot of, and, and it's meant well, right? But there's a lot of kind of these like motivational reels or whatnot out there circulating that's like, burn the boats like just go do it like jump in right and I love that you have like more of a a kind of like a moderate temperate approach and I agree that that is you know there's so much you can do while still at your current job you know or whatnot it is and that you know I always tell people like I built my whole business working other jobs you know and it wasn't it literally just like I stopped working other jobs when I started making the money in my business <laughs> like that was just it you know it right. wasn't like so it, and in reality it it wasn't that scary yeah you know because it was like an organic evolution exactly. so now you've gone through a, another bit of a, a pivot but not you know a little bit more like say like on the same line but so you went from career coaching and then um I feel like I was privileged to be like on like the first wave of this inspiration around the TED talk. Yeah, you are. And it just so, so, so tell us about that journey. So now you, you've made your first pivot, you're slaying it as a career coach. You've got an incredible best-selling book, U-Turn, you've got your U-Turn podcast, and you've got 8 million people watching your TED talk. You've like hit it. And what, what was, you know, how did that idea come in to say, ooh, you know, it would be really juicy right now would be to help people do a TED Talk. How did that kind of inspiration flow? I just don't think anything has transformed my career quite like my TEDx talk. And so I just thought, how can I be the most powerful support to people? And without clutch, without question, this was the way that I could do it. Um, so yeah, when it, when it came to making an offer, um, people started asking me for help with their TED Talks because mine had gone so viral and created so many opportunities for me. They wanted the same thing. And it's just got so inspiring to be able to help people in such a unique way. And um, yeah, I started writing people's TED Talks with them. And then eventually they wanted to get booked. And I partnered with a booker who has a 97% success rate getting my speeches booked on stage. And that has been really, really exciting. And honestly, anybody who's listening, if you let me know you found me through this podcast within two weeks of it releasing, um, let me know and I'll give you $2,000 off of your TED Talk booking and writing because it just feels so important that people are putting their message out there and um, really saying what it is that they have to say. Oh, I love that. You're so generous, Ash. Hmm. Um, We'll put all the links below so that you guys can take advantage. But I want to talk more about that. So for someone listening that is like, okay, am I in the right spot right now to have my own TED Talk? What do you think is an ideal like place to be in your journey, career, whatnot, to have a really successful experience having a TED Talk? 
I would say that TED Talk is a democracy. It's a democracy of ideas. It's about ideas we're spreading. I'm writing a talk right now for an animal rights activist who has no platform. I'm writing a talk right now for the head of surgery for a really big surgical institution. Like it's across the board. You don't need to be famous to, to give a TED Talk. And I think that is really important to know. Um, there's many islands on the internet, as we discussed. I just find that this is one of the most powerful islands um, that I've found that can build your brand. And so um, that's kind of been where I've gone. Um, so I don't think there's a wrong time. I think it's, do you feel like you have something living inside of you that you want to say? And if you do, go for it. And whether that means me helping you write your talk or you just putting yourself out there to go do it, um, I hope you pursue it because it's it's pretty potent when you do. So what happened for you? What what did having the viral TED Talk change for your business? What are the things that, you know, for yeah. someone that maybe doesn't know? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I was in so much pushing for my business, like just as far as like, I think as entrepreneurs, we work really hard. And one of the biggest things I got from the TED Talk was, first of all, it's not easy to go viral, but it is simple. You simply write the best thing you've ever written. That's what I'm devoted to to people. Because when you put art out there, people see it. Um, and so that's the first message I have around it. Um, secondly, what I love the most about Tez, it's truly a one and done. If you write a really good TEDx talk, it gets out there. Nobody watched mine for the first six months and then eventually it hit and it went super viral. Quality content takes. And so um, for me now, it's created more feminine energy in my career. I used to be in the push and the push. Now, Ted has created this mysticism for me. Like what other platform has 40 million subscribers just waiting to watch your 10 minute or 20 minute talk? than Ted. Um, it's an audience that really wants your ideas and your messages. So if you have a message, if you have something important on your heart that you want to share, I can't think of a platform that's more resonant. Um, for me, the reason it's created more feminine energy for my career, and I'm seeing that with clients that I've written and booked, is that when you put a message out there, thousands of people are watching it and you're allowing them to think of opportunities for you and to come to you with those opportunities every single day. So my TED Talk has translated into, you know, everything from a half million dollar spokesperson contract to um, book deals and client opportunities on a consistent basis. Um, and so that is really something that I'm holding in my heart when I'm helping people write their talk is, is wanting it to help the world as much as it also helps them in their career. I love that. And I think it is. It's one of those islands that is just can be so powerful. And when you're considering where you want to spend your time and your energy on when you're like getting your message out there, I think that's something that's really, I think all of us right now have so much going on at any given time. And to really say, where am I going to get the most impact for my time, energy, and effort? Um, yeah, Ted is a huge one. So yeah. what if you have someone like, well, just because you know me, like me, right? That obviously has no problem like talking about a lot of things, <laughs> right? How do you help someone get clarity on what that one thing that that TED Talk should be centered on? And is it a is it a strategic business call too? I mean, yours was very much in line with everything that you were doing and talking about, right? 
Yeah. I think you do need to think about like, what is the thing that you want to happen because of this talk? Like, what is your own personal goal? And then from there, I think it's about actually not thinking so hard about everything else. Like people think too hard about like, what is my talk going to be about? What do I want to say? Um, my advice is like not to put that much pressure on it. Um, because there's, it's, it's, I would lead with the question, what is the most powerful thing that I've ever felt that I, I want to share? Um, not, and, and how do I support my goals? Ted is very um, sensitive to self-promotion. So how do you talk about your work in a way, like you can say as an author or as a PhD with a, you know, and da, 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 but you want to be really brief with what you're advertising yourself as because the Ted channel is really sensitive to that. Hmm. Interesting. So how do you, when people start working with you, do you sit down with them and kind of brainstorm different ideas and help them discover what they want their talk about? What does that process look like for you to be able to then go and actually write a speech for someone? Because I have my graduate degree in psychology, I usually can feel things that stick on me in a different way. So I think it's my own unique knack as being somebody that's bouncing ideas off of someone. I have a really intense intake form. And one way that people can be with themselves in this is I recommend making a life timeline, write down every significant event that ever impacted the way you think in your life. Usually there's maybe anywhere from three to 20, you know, events, just mark them down, start when you were like 10 years old and work your way up or even younger um, and ask yourself, what was the event and how did it change the way you think? Um, the best TED Talks have powerful openers. How can you open up, not with telling people about your life, but showing them a moment, like as if they're watching a movie and really bringing them into your life. Um, if you look at my most recent TED Talk, the first TED Talk I gave, I'd never spoken on a stage, so it's not my favorite, but the most recent one really shows my work and my framework, having worked for Obama administration and learning speaking a lot through his practices. Um you know, you can see my framework in that TED talk. And when you watch it on, it's called how to figure out what you really want. You see my opener is about my dad getting a phone call that somebody said they kidnapped me. And the talk is about how to find your purpose in life. What does a kidnapping have to do with your purpose? That's on you as the writer to share, but you can see that I'm sharing a very significant moment that grabs the audience's attention right away. Oh, I love that. That's so juicy. I feel like people should just fill out the intake form just to get, that, just right. to get all of that discovery in. Oh, that is just, oh, okay. So what do you feel like you've had just such a journey up until this point? What would you go back and say to someone that maybe is like a little ash that's, mm -hmm. you know, at King's College what would you tell someone? Not necessarily, not necessarily yourself because you lived your life, but like someone that's kind of in that point right now, what advice would you give them as they move forward? Mm, I would say success is a process. It's not an event. And like we grew up in an era of like get rich quick and there is a true dignity to the process of success. And the most sustainable way to create wealth is to be yourself, because if you're not yourself, it's hard to keep it up. Um, and so I would spend the time on the front end more deeply asking, like, how do you truly um, be you? What are those services or ways that you want to work that really honor that? 
Um, and how can you show up in your highest expression for the world? Um, what is that magical skill set? And don't be afraid to give it to the world. I love that. And how did, how does your own fear and resistance show up for you? Have, how, how has that shown up for you along your journey? And do you have practices or things you do when you're in moments of doubt or resistance or fear around something? Yeah. Like how does the fear show up for me or how do I sit with it? Both. Yeah. I think it shows up for me because my dad lost all of his money when we were a kid. We almost claimed bankruptcy. And then I created a lot of success and I lost all of my money because I had the same blueprint as he did mentally about money. Um, and so it's interesting because I've been having a lot of success and my blueprint tells me, oh, wow, things are good. That means it's about to fall apart. So I think it's about noticing what your mind is doing and remembering that you're not your mind and you don't need to trust your mind when it's not being a trustworthy source. Um, you know, when you're feeling off and when you're feeling off, I always tell myself, like, I'm not going to listen to my mind today because I don't trust it. Um, I'm too off to, to believe what it's telling me. I love that. I love that. That's so important because you do talk about um, about money blueprints and, you know, your relationship to money in your book and how that ultimately also affects, right, your career path and the choices you make. Yeah. But do you think that is something people should, do you think that that's some, something that we should I don't know if this is coming out right, but play into to a certain degree or something that we should consistently actively, actively be fighting. Tell me a little bit more when you say play into. So for instance, you have someone that, you know, craves more stability and security, right? Like super yeah. basic example where the obvious thing for that person might be, okay, maybe you, maybe we find something with your core skill set and with something that you love, but is more of a stable nine to five job right? Yeah. And something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that being honest with yourself is huge. Entrepreneurship is so not for everyone. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make is forcing a lifestyle or a career on ourselves that isn't synced up not only with our skill set, but with our values. Um, you know, there's a big difference between someone who is best served being an entrepreneur and someone who's best served in the workforce. There's a place for both. One is not better than the other. I really hate how there's been this movement of like entrepreneurship being superior. It's not. Um, and so, yeah, that would be my first thought on it. Yeah, I agree. And I've had a lot of, you know, over the years, I've had some people that I've worked with that have also kind of been trying to force themselves into entrepreneurship. And I think it's, you know, in society, we've had such like a, it's made it, it's made it seem like it's like, you know, black and white, right? Like you're either an entrepreneur and you're doing what you love or you're working for, you know, a corporate job and you're not, right? Yeah. When in reality, that's the thing I love, you know, about what you're teaching people about their core skill set and their core values and finding that thing that interests them. It's that there are so many different vehicles that you can you can plug into, right? And maybe yeah. it is like, I have this core skill set and I love writing and also I love fashion, right? And it's like, yeah, you could have your own fashion blog, but if that doesn't line up with like who you are and what you value and what you need for your your framework, then you can also have a really awesome job as a fashion magazine editor, right? Exactly. And still feel fulfilled. 
Exactly. Amen. Amen. All right, Ash. So what about you? What, where are you at right now? And what is like, what's really lighting you up right now? And where do you feel like your, your growth edge is? I'm really into investing right now. Like I would never put a course out about that, but um, I buy real estate and I, what, what has lit me up about it is realizing you can buy a building in the Midwest for a hundred K and with 20% down that's 20 K. You don't even need to put 20% down. If you're going to live in it, you could put 5% down and have 5k plus closing costs. So my inspiration is for people who want to start um, especially women who want to start getting ahead to just remind them that they can um, and for myself, that's been really, um, deep in my heart, like, wow, I can do this and I can take care of myself in a world where there's inflation and we're all workaholics and da, 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 da. I think that it's important for us to start thinking about how we can get ahead financially and not just push ourselves to squeeze out our purpose and do so much work, but to actually plan ahead too. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Yes. I feel like I'm very much in that season of life right now as well. And I think that that's so, it's so important too. I think that's another, you know, one of the things that I love to talk about when I talk about money is that like money is not just like a one, like a one option avenue, right? Where it's like, you have to make money from your job or your career. Like there are other ways we can be savvy when it comes to like investing and passive income and all different kinds of things like that. And actually I believe the more savvy you are about that kind of stuff. And I think especially for women or, and especially also if you're entrepreneurial in my, in my opinion, it's helpful because then you have this, like you said, it kind of helps you take the, you can put the brakes on. You don't always have to be, you know, worrying about that. Just one stream, you build that kind of safety for yourself. So, so you said you probably not going to do a course on it. And (laughs) I'm, um, I want to, I'm curious, you know, how do you distinguish that for yourself when you're like, oh my God, I'm so jazzed about this thing and I want to help people with it, but also mm, mm, this is not a thing I'm going to make a business, which is an important thing we have to do sometimes. Yeah, that's such a good question. I think it's about core skill set. Like investing is really about numbers and that's not my core skill set at all. Um, so it's something that I do, but it's not something I commit my career to. I love that. That's I, Oh, I love your course. I love the core skill sets because I think it also is just, it just makes it so tangible instead of it being just like, so like airy fairy, why I decide this or I don't decide this. It's like, like that makes so much sense. I'd be the same. I'm the same way. Like, num- like when you were going through the, some of the core skill sets, I was like, definitely not numbers. <laughs> like, yeah. like you can easily see almost like, okay, that's not, no, I can't yeah. do that. Um, and I think that's so important because one of the other things that, um, and, and well, before I get into that, I do think, I just love how it's such a great example of just something that's like so clearly lighting you up, like your whole energy shifted when you started talking about it. It's so clear that it's like fresh and joyous and like on your heart and just like vibrating yeah. all around you. And I think it's so important to remind people that like you get to have that and it doesn't ever have to be a business. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like Amen. you get to enjoy that and it gets because I think at some point we all started to try to change anything that we enjoyed into a business 
wild. It's wild. It's also like we're all processing our life on the internet as things are happening versus just being in our life. Yeah. It's a wild time. It's a wild time to be alive. Yeah, it is. It's a wild. Okay, well, one last thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, because you brought it up earlier, um, is about how you were talking about how the difference between the day-to-day of a business and kind of like the, let's call it the outcome of a business, for instance, right? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's like when people, quote-unquote, like, romanticize what they want to do or like fall in love with like this idea Mm -hmm. so they're like well I love the idea about being like a best-selling author and like touring the world and signing books and giving talks right but like the day-to-day of an author exactly is not that exactly amen like when you (laughs) day of me writing my TED talks I'm writing which is words which is my core skill set you look at the day to day of I'm not speaking like I get drained from being in front of large crowds too often so you see me here writing the talk but not giving it so I think it's really about people getting really honest with themselves fantasies are great but but what is most important is how you're spending your day how are you using your body your mind and your heart Um, how are you using your life force throughout the day because those tasks are the work itself and that's where the fulfillment or lack thereof is going to come from oh and that's your life yeah right like that's your life your life is the day-to-day and so for what would you say for someone that has let's say that specific thing right where they're kind of like okay I really like I want the after outcome of being an author whatnot but I don't want the day-to-day necessarily of the writing skill set yeah how, how might you kind of pivot them or shift them I would say well if you could spend your day doing anything what would you be doing you know because that is still the most important thing and if they have a skill set where they can build an audience and perhaps get you know other people to write the book for them and give them but it sounds like they're looking for significance and fame and I have no judgment on that um, but yeah, I would say that's something to, to think about is how can you create a business model that's more resonant and delegate that piece? Yeah. So for instance, with that, if the part of having a book that excites you the most is getting to speak to people, then yeah. maybe that's really the skill set that we need to be focusing on and maybe doing more like in-person workshops with, you know, and doing that kind of stuff to, build more of the audience and build the business if 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 it's the speaking that is what is um yeah I just think that that's really interesting because I see a lot of that I see a lot of that of of people being really excited about an end goal but then not wanting to show up for Mm -hmm. the day-to-day and I think that shows up also we're back to like that example we were talking about with social media right Mm -hmm. like some people really one of my I don't know if this is what this what your official skill set name for this is, <laughs> but one of my skill sets like being on camera. Mm. So for me, doing this Zoom podcast, even though this is not like it's not me being on like the Oprah show or you know you know having like my TV show, like being on camera talking to people, even being on like my Instagram reel or story talking to people, like that all feels really good, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like really flowy. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, if you want, 
if the thing you think you want is like your own TV show or whatever it is, but like you hate yeah. being on Instagram story, mm-hmm. right? Then there's like something to think about there. It's like, yeah. is that really your core skill set? Is that 100%. something that's really going to bring you joy? Skill set first, always. I love it. All right. Well, any parting words for, I feel like there's, there is, I apologize to anyone listening if this is a little scattered. Oh, I love it. <laughs> But I just felt like there were so many different things that were coming up that my brain was just like popping oh, that were in the realm. And I just feel like there's so much here that people are going to really be helped by. And I really encourage all of you, if you resonated with this, to grab grab Ashley's book. Um, it's going to bring even more clarity and like walk you through her whole process. And then of course, if you're, you know, if you're like, okay, this is my moment. This is like the synchronicity I needed to hear to do my own Ted talk. Finally. Um, you couldn't be in better hands than Ashley. You couldn't like, um, ask for a better opportunity to do that. So definitely take her up on her offer Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. Any parting words for the audience? Mm. I guess my parting word would just be like clarity comes from engagement. It doesn't come from thought, you know, like you life is an experiment and you really need to give yourself that space to experiment. And if you don't, um, you're going to be forced into experimentation. So you might as well choose it as you go. I love that. I love that. I love that. I always say like, yeah, clarity comes from action. Just like throw the spaghetti against the wall. Yeah. Try the thing. You'll know so quickly. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you are a gem, Ashley. I love you. Thanks so much for being here. Everybody check out all the links below so you can find Ashley, follow her. Um, read her book and and reach out to her if you want to do a TED Talk. And if you do a TED Talk, I want to know about it too so I can follow along with your journey. 